the key rule of allowance. I knew for me and my children that we were never going to have to experience homelessness again. Hey everybody, Lynn Smith here and welcome to Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting created by Munchkin. I'm so excited for this episode because it's something that I struggle with. It's talking with our kids about money. It's not about how much or how little. It's really just a difficult conversation to have. So I'm thrilled to bring in an expert to drill it down. I've got to say, I'm implementing some of her suggestions today. You will too. Plus an incredible story that will no doubt inspire you. And if you stick around to the end, you might even win something. I think this is a situation every parent finds themselves in. Their kid walks into the room and says, I want fill in the blank. For for us recently, Justin, it was a new pair of high top sneakers that his best friend has that he just has to have. Let me tell you, these are sneakers that I thought were reserved for basketball players that are with a price tag that should be for basketball players. But for some reason, they make them for five and a half year olds. Well, how tall is your son? Of course, he's three feet tall. <laughs> but mm. maybe he's going to be eight feet tall. And maybe this exactly. is an investment in his future. He's one step closer to dunking in those shoes by my man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a tough subject because I think it's hard for kids to connect even, like, I have an item. I would like shoes in the money that would pay for those shoes. Yeah, I mean, they don't really have a concept of it, and it's up to us to teach them about it. Do you have these conversations with your girls, and do you even start this early? I mean, your girls are the same as my my boys' ages. It's five and a half and three. I, I have a hard time with it because I feel like I'm trying to uh, like protect my kids from even worrying about money because it's something, I, as an adult, that's always on my mind. So when my daughter's like, uh, I'm like, where are your gloves? And she's like, oh, I lost them. I'm like, well, and she'll say, can I just get more? And I'm like, well, yes, but I don't know if you're valuing these gloves how much I I want you to. If I start talking about, like, the $5 that the gloves cost and where that comes from, then we're into talking about, like, mortgage-backed securities. Right. I've like I've threatened my son because my dad came from nothing. And I'd be like, your papa never had shoes. And and it's kind of like, oh, is this really effective? And that left me wondering when and how should we be talking to our kids about money? I'm going to do my best to answer that question. And thankfully, I have plenty of help. An incredible expert, Liz Frazier Peck. She's a financial planner and author on the topic. You may have seen her on TV or in many publications, but most importantly, she's a mom. Plus, an incredible story of Sharita Humphrey, a mother of two who went from homeless to landing on Forbes' five fast-growing businesses. And after that, we'll gather around for a round of stroller mail, hearing from you the most important person in this podcast. And then we're going to wrap it up with a relaxing moment of calm because we all need that. Let's get started. So I'm so thrilled at this conversation with Liz Frazier Peck. She's a mother of two. She's a financial planner. She's written a book, Beyond Piggy Banks and Lemonade Stands, How to Teach Young Kids About Finance. She's also been featured on morning shows, financial shows, radio, People Magazine, Wall Street Journal, just to name a few. She's pretty credible. Liz, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited about this topic and conversation. Tell me why you think this is so important, because I know there might be some people out there thinking, listen, they're little. Let's just give them some of their innocence for a while. 
I understand why parents are hesitant about it. You think about talking about finance and you're like, gosh, do I need to explain Bitcoin to them or hedge funds? And, you know, it all seems very complicated and intimidating. But when you think about when your child turns to be an adult, every step that they take from college to first jobs, to traveling, to rent, to everything that they do through retirement is directly affected by how successful they are with money management. So for adults to have understanding about it, they have to learn earlier. It's like anything else. We're responsible for giving them a foundation. This just should be one of the important conversations that we have with our kids, just like stranger danger and nutrition and teamwork and kindness. These are all things that we we don't expect our kids to know everything about, but we want to just start slowly building the basics and the foundation so they're comfortable about it when they become adults. So when do we start something like that? I mean, what age is right? I don't think it's ever too early. There's not a real time or age that it's appropriate to start talking about it. You know, it just depends on who your child is and what they grasp. But the most important thing when they're young is just start exposing them. It can be as simple as allowing them to pay for things or just talking throughout the day about how you're using money to make decisions. And like I said before, it's a lot like teaching nutrition. You know, you're not going to sit down with a PowerPoint presentation and get it all in there at one time. You talk through the day, oh, well, I need to have some broccoli because, you know, I had pancakes for breakfast, and I really have not been eating that healthy today. It's the same thing with money. You're just incorporating it into daily conversations and just see how your child reacts. And if they're not ready, then you can pick it up a little bit later. That's such a good point. It's kind of difficult for, I think, a lot of people to know how to talk about it, though. Money is the most talked about subject in media, and our kids are picking up on this. Some people talk about how you need money for everything and, you know, money will make you successful and happy. And then other people think money is evil. Kids start to absorb this, you know, at a young age. So what we want to do is we want to talk to them about money in a neutral way. It's not a positive or a negative. Money is a tool. The goal isn't to be rich. The goal is just to have enough money to meet our needs and goals. So we want to keep these conversations neutral. Another part about it is just keeping it as simple as possible with kids and engaging them. Like anything else, they learn best when they're interacting with money. So at a young age, that's actually holding money and feeling money so that it's tangible, so that they know what it is. So with my kids, I let them pay for stuff all the time. I'll let them go up to the counter. I'll tell them what to do. I might even say to the cashier, you know, this is the first time spending, paying for something. So they might walk away without the change. Do you mind reminding them? But just getting them as engaged and possible really makes a difference for teaching kids and it makes it real to them. All of this just so healthy, especially what you said about making sure that you don't have a positive or negative association with money. That's something that will stay with them. You have a spend, save, and give jar. Can you tell me a little bit more about these? I love the three jar system. So we do save, spend, and share anytime that they get any money. We set the boundaries for them. We say we expect them to put some in their save, some in their share, and some in their spend jar. And we explain to them what these are. The spend jar, I like to say it's the target fund. When we're <laughs> at Target and you want to buy that $3 bouncy ball that you're going to lose in five minutes, yeah, sure, go ahead. That comes out of your spend jar. You can do whatever you want with that money. 
And then the save money is money that they are going to use for something later and something bigger that they want that they don't have the money for now. And then there's the share jar, which they can donate their money however they want to. Because I can't tell you how many times I have talked to financial experts and planners who have said, you should do a third, a third, a third. It's the same principle for us as adults. I think a lot of parents struggle with the idea of an allowance. Where do you stand on it? I weirdly love the allowance conversation conversation. First of all, allowance is the best way to teach kids money management because it gives them money to practice. If you're giving them allowance, they've got some skin in the game. When they look at allowance simply as I'm giving you an allowance to help you practice money management. You know, there's there's the two different ways. There's kind of the more traditional way for allowance where your kid does chores and you pay them for that. And then there's kind of the newer model where your kids, my kids, they need to do chores in the house because they're part of our family and that's just what they do. But I like a hybrid system because I also think it's important for kids to understand that they have to work to make money. So then if they want additional money over the allowance that I give them, I give them opportunities around the house to do jobs that are above and beyond their usual. The big thing with allowance and chores is that if you're paying kids to do chores, they have the option to say no. (laughs) They have the option to say, (laughs) you know, I I don't need money this week, so I'm not going to clean. And you don't ever want to give them that option. So I like keeping the two separate. And you never want to use it in a negative way. Allowance is usually kids' first experience with money. So you want to keep it a positive. You don't ever want to use it as a form of punishment. Well, if you don't listen to me this weekend, then you're not getting your allowance. You want to keep that either neutral or at least positive so that it can help with kids' attitudes around money. You know, I also think that it's important to point out that there are a lot of families that aren't in a place where they can afford an allowance. And that's an important thing to touch on as well when it comes to conversations with our children. My dad, he came from nothing. He didn't have two pennies to pinch together. And I'm very aware in my own life of his upbringing. And so for parents who really feel like I can't buy the toys at Target, this isn't a matter of the spend or save jar. This is a matter of I can't do it. Is there a way we can navigate those conversations for the families that are really struggling right now? This is important. I'm glad that you brought that up. This is the basic foundation for any kind of budget. So if you're somebody who does not feel like you have extra money to give your kids an allowance, so many people are in this situation. It's important to start talking about needs versus wants. You don't ever want your children to be scared or worry or take your stress of money around it. So try doing it in a neutral way around you're using money as a tool. So when you talk to your kids, say, well, you know what? We have enough money for our needs. We provide food. We provide shelter. And those have to come before want. So if we want something, we're going to have to save up extra money for it. And let's create a plan together to try to save up for something. I love the idea of that. All of this really is fundamentals of life lessons. Before we wrap up, I'm just curious, was there something in your life that happened that made you think, I need to help parents navigate this for their children? So I meet with adults all the time about money management. And what I realized is they are so intimidated around money. They just say, I'm just not a money person. And what I realized is that, of course, they don't understand money management. Why would we? Because nobody taught us when we were young. You know, we're thrown into the fire when we become an adult and we're expected to be able to make smart money management decisions. And how can we do that when we've never learned the basics? Finance does not have to be that complicated. It really doesn't. There's just some basic things around saving, budgeting, giving for charity, 
and smart money management. And if you can teach kids at an early age, then by the time they're adults, they're, they're going to be comfortable with it. So this just should be a regular conversation that we have with our kids all the time because it's so important. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. This is probably why adults are so scared to talk about money because it's a conversation that's not being had, which is why I'm so grateful we're having it here. Liz, thank you so much. So much insight. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is really great to be on the show. The spend, save, give jar. That is the Uh, number one takeaway for me. I'm starting this tonight. Um, And I have to say, I kind of might start this for myself as well. I love the way she just talked about being open with our kids and really bringing them into the process of what money means, what it it does that we need it to do, what it can do to be good for for yourself and other people. Like that is just some open-hearted, open-headed thinking that I love to hear. So if you weren't taught a lot about money when you were younger, how are you supposed to know how to teach your own children so that they can have this sense of financial security? Well, we're going to hear the journey of one woman who had the sheer determination and more importantly, optimism to change the course of her and her children's lives. Here's our correspondent Fleece with our parenting story of the day. Sharita Humphrey grew up in the South with two sisters and a single mom. Money was tight. When I was eight years old, I remember picking up the phone and calling one of our creditors for a payment arrangement. And what was funny about it is when I'm thinking back in hindsight, I'm like, they didn't hear the childlike voice on the other end. My journey was starting right there because before then I knew we were struggling, but it was our everyday norm. We lived paycheck to paycheck. In our house, we didn't talk about savings, investing, credit, budgeting, you know, money management. Those were not conversations that we ever had, um, they were definitely would have been like a foreign language in my household. That cycle continued as Sharita got older and had children of her own. When she was 25, they lost their home, took with them what they could carry, and went from shelter to shelter. Finally, they found a motel room where they could temporarily stay. I'm like, how did I get here? That was the thing that was kind of heartbreaking for me because I'm like, I don't want to continue this negative money cycle. I don't want to continue the generational lack that's attached to our family. Because, of course, people don't realize this. You can still have a job and still be homeless, or you could be going to work. Sharita and her children were homeless. She worked hard to create a sense of normalcy. We just didn't have a home. So me making sure that we still got out and visit the library, took in a dollar movie, something that was within our budget. So that way they didn't feel like they were just contained inside of those four walls. Doing those normal things kept my children happy. So how did Sharita speak to her children about the situation they were in? I don't think that they realized that they were homeless. They thought that we were on a vacation because I made it that way just because I did not want them to feel like or know that this was not the norm. It was never a thing to be able to put a negative thought in their mind or bring a negative undertone to it. I was saying we can't get that yet, but here are things that we can do. One night, Sharita was looking at her journal. She flipped back to pages from before they were homeless. It was full of her hopes and dreams. After I laid my children down, I was sitting there going through my journal, and that was the moment that made me cry. When I started to see my 
dreams when we did have a place. And that was the turning point for me. Looking at that journal and seeing all of my dreams and then looking over there at my kids, I just knew I had to do something else. And so that moment changed my entire personal, professional, and financial trajectory. That one moment at 11 o'clock at night. After making a promise to her children, Sharita went to the library and took out every book she could on finance. She found a company online to help her build back her credit, and she was teaching her children as she learned. As a mom, my one job was to ensure that I instilled in them and taught them all of the things that financially, I wish I knew. That was important to me because I wanted them to learn the vital tools that was going to allow them to create a financial safety net so that homelessness would not become a part of their adult story. When she came across a job opportunity as a tax auditor, she realized that with all of the studying she'd been doing, she was qualified. Then she got the call that she landed the job. It was so exciting for my children and I because it was the one thing that I told them was going to be the next goal for us because it was never just about me. It was a us thing with every decision that I was making and it really changed things for us. I'd never made that much income in my life, but I was in a position to now mentally, emotionally, to be able to handle an increase in my finances. Sharita took action with what she learned about managing money. But how would she handle only getting paid once a month? I was scared and motivated at the same time. So I decided to lean towards the motivation side because I was just like, what can I do to be able to maximize the 12 paychecks that I'm going to make in a year? Now, remember just sitting down every evening after work. And once the boys were um, down for the night, I would say to myself, how can I maximize these 12 paychecks? Wrote out all of our things. Budgeting was my best friend. That was my blueprint. I said, you know what? I'm going to take the smallest bill that I have and pay it one month in advance. When I started to do that, I said, okay, that one's done. So let me go to the next one and start to go to the next one. At the end of each month, Sharita had already paid her bills and had a new sense of security. Now she could focus on the one thing she wanted more than anything, a mailbox. I wanted us to have a place where we could get mail to be able to just go and get mail. Simple little things that a lot of people take for granted. Getting mail for me and for my children meant that we had a place called home. It's probably hard for people to understand. Just imagine not being able to put down an address that you feel proud of or that you want to be able to let people know this is where I live, this is where I reside, and to truly be able to call it home. Soon, Sharita found they were ready to buy a place. Her children were just as excited as she was. They were like, mom, we got the keys. I'm excited. I'm picking them up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm hugging them so tight. And we were planning out all the things. And then, you know, they turned to me and they're like, so mom, is the vacation over? And I'm like, (laughs) If I did nothing right in my life, at least I made my children's situation and what their outlook was on that situation much different. Then they got their first piece of mail. The first piece of mail that we got, (laughs) it was just like, okay, it happened. We are finally in a place where we're safe. I'm reliving that 
all the time. That was one of the most pivotal moments that I knew for me and my children that we were never going to have to experience homelessness again. Sharita's financial situation continued to improve based on three key principles. For me, one of the things that I live by and I live by then with my kids was the save, give and spend. Save for a rainy day. Giving is key, but spending on something that you want, but making sure it's within your budget. That is the methodology that I use with my children and me as their mom. That was one of the things that I can I use then and I continue to use. Over the next few years, Sharita continued to thrive, gaining financial expertise and building security at home. Once grounded, Sharita took a risk. She opened her own consulting business to help others struggling financially like she was. I want that to teach people how to be in control of their financial futures by getting back into the driver's seat and letting them know that you may have some detours. There may be a little bit of traffic. Some things may stall out. But remember to stay in your lane. Don't go too fast and just follow your own financial GPS. And that's how you're going to create a legacy and a legacy of wealth for you and your family. And that has been by far, this is truly my bucket list job. And I get to do it every single day. Sharita Humphrey's success kept growing. Her consulting business was recognized by Forbes on their list of five fast-growing businesses. She met the love of her life, got married, and had a son who she said already loves money management. By teaching her children and keeping their associations with money hopeful, she is confident she broke the cycle. In the most important parts of my life and where it matters as a parent, as a woman, but most importantly, just as a mo- as a mother... If I did nothing else, I can say that I kept my pinky promise to my children. I don't know about you. That is chills down your spine. It feels so hard what she did. And that is amazing. Well, and just that moment where she said it was that physical address, having a mailbox that let her know like that meant I made it. And this reminder that you don't have to have success overnight, that you can take little steps and each step is getting you closer to that ultimate success. But I can't even imagine if she wondered that it would be the Forbes list. But it feels like the little steps are maybe even the more significant ones. Like when the Mm -hmm. feelings that she was feeling with getting the mailbox, uh, the Forbes list is, is such an honor, especially having how she struggled so much. But it feels like the mailbox is equal to the Forbes list, if not more important. And finally, time for stroller mail. Why I'm so excited? Because I finally get to talk to you. I get to hear your ideas. I get to hear your problems. I get to commiserate with you because you may feel like you failed. And I want you to know you're not alone. We've all been there. This is a way for us to connect. We told you this is a community. And that's what stroller mail is all about. So this one from Lisa Z. She says, I have to get this off my chest. I feel guilty almost all the time when I have to work and I can't be with my kids or if I don't set up a play date for them because it's overwhelming for me to have other kids over. If I forget to bring snacks, you name it. Is it just me? Oh, my goodness, Lisa. No, it's not. And I want to jump through this microphone and give you a hug. This is kind of an everyday battle that I go through. I don't know about you, Justin. A hundred percent. I mean, the guilt is nonstop. There's so much going on all the time for us. I personally uh, say to myself probably daily, are they loved? 
Are they yeah. loved? And that's pretty much what they need right now. They need to be loved. And that's how I release some of that guilt. My wife and I will like get a babysitter and go out to dinner or something. Mm-hmm. And they're crying and you just feel so guilty and we like have to run out the door. Uh, but it's like we spend so much time dedicated to our kids all the time. You have to take some moments and do the other things you need to do because you also need to ha- go out and have a nice dinner sometimes. Lisa, what I would say to you is just the fact that you care about it, just the fact that you feel something means that you're doing a great job. Got your own stroller mail story or question? Send it to us at podcast at munchkin.com. We'd love to hear from you. We are giving away $100 Munchkin gift cards. The first five people to use the code piggybank at munchkin.com get $100 off your purchase. That's piggybank, one word, no spaces. Good luck. That's the show. This has been amazing with all of you. Thanks for taking the ride with us. And thanks to our guests, Liz Fraser Peck. Such great advice. Thank you for that. And also Sharita Humphrey. That story is such an inspiration. And we want to thank you for listening. That's why we do this. We're all a part of the community. And we hope you tell your friends about it so that they'll come join the ride with us. If you want more information about our guests, you can head to strollercoaster.com. And thanks to Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. And you can find all your favorite Munchkin products at Target. You know, at Stroller Coaster, we're all about the community. That's what this podcast is all about. We want to hear from you. So if you have stroller mail or a story, you want to share a question, a topic you want to hear more about, or just something you want to vent on, we're here. We'll probably want to vent back. (laughs) You can reach out to us at podcast at munchkin.com. And Lynn, if you don't know about it, you should check out our sister podcast for kids called Stroller Coaster Storytime. Lynn, are you familiar with this? Well, of course I am, because I get to just have somebody else read story time and I can sit back and relax. Exactly. Take a break. Uh, These are funny takes on children's stories like Fred and the Beanstalk. We all heard about Jack and the Beanstalk, but who's talking about Fred? We are. They're short, hilarious, like nothing you've ever heard before. You can find it in the same feed as this very show. Just look for the words bonus episodes. Now something every parent can use. I know I can use it. A timeout just for you. Munchkin loves our planet, and they work with great organizations like IFAW. International Fund for Animal Welfare cares about animals, and one of the things they do is safeguard natural habitats. So for today's audio moment of calm, we're going to take you to a beautiful place, the Snowy Mountains, for a walk. I hope you enjoy. And we'll see you next time on Stroller Coaster.